Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Welcome, we're back. It's the Bob and Sherry Show with Bob. You are a delight. And Sherry. I am worshipped here. And now, broadcasting from the palatial Bob and Sherry studios, it's Bob and Sherry. Oh, happy Tuesday, the hardest day of the week, but it's Valentine's Day Eve. Now, I was reading something really interesting about um, how to give a perfect Valentine's Day gift. And it shouldn't be... You shouldn't just rely on like the old traditional stuff. Um, what you want to do is you want to really think about who that person is and treat Valentine's Day the way you would treat Christmas or birthdays, which is something, if you think about it, we never do. Like, mm-hmm. do you know how many women I know? And if you think about it, you know them too because you're married to one, Bob. How many women I know who are like, oh, you bought me really expensive chocolate. When you know that I've been trying to give up sugar. Yeah, that's true. It's but true. it's Valentine's Day and chocolate is, oh, yeah, thank you so much. And men are difficult to shop for for Valentine's Day because mm-hmm. are you going to give a dude um, flowers? Probably not. Are you going to mm-hmm. give him a heart-shaped box of candy? Probably not. So why is it that we never think about that? That Valentine's Day gifts, we should think about them more the way we think about Christmas and birthdays. Well, some guys, um, I'll just address the guy thing. There are some guys that are just terrible gift givers. They're bad gift givers on her birthday and on Christmas. And then along comes Valentine's Day, which is, you know, even more nebulous. Um, And that's where the flowers come in. Because last minute, I got to get her something. And they go, you know over to the supermarket and get some flowers that are obviously not from a florist, but they're from the supermarket. And so that's how I think that happens. It, it is, so, it, it doesn't give, it, it's a person who doesn't give a lot of reflection to uh, the gift itself. Mary and I are now at the point where she will say, look, uh, I don't want you to buy me clothing. Please don't buy me another purse. You're the worst purse I've ever seen in my life. Um, what I really want, and, and this is really hard for me. She said this year, and I have purchased it. What I really, really want is a carpet shampoo. And I for said, Valentine's I, Day? For Valentine's Day. Well, here's the thing. Valentine's Day is on the 14th. Herself's birthday is two days later. So I've got oh, double yeah. the deal yeah. that You're I've, up got, I've got to deal with. Yeah, yeah. And I can't buy well, her clothes. I'm, and I can't buy her the, the uh, or a purse. Yeah. 
I was reading an article in Forbes about like how to nail Valentine's Day gift giving. And I just Mm want to say that I remember I'm old enough to remember when Forbes was a magazine about business, not a place where you would read an article about how to give a perfect Valentine's Day gift. So I'm not sure what's happened to Forbes. But anyway, it said that and I thought this was so interesting that I highlighted it. Women value gifts way more than men do that promote their ethical commitment, self-care, and relaxation. So if a woman, like let's say your woman is really, really into rescue animals, she's more likely to value a gift that's a donation to her favorite shelter than she Uh is just like a random box of candy. Or if you have a woman who is really really into yoga for example she's way more going to value a gift that's about that than a random box of candy and this is super different for men because men are not wired according to forbes that used to be a magazine completely about business but is now morphing into red book that's what forbes says and forbes says that men like gifts that are like surprising and novel and unexpected Men are more likely to like a gift that seemingly came out of left field than Mm -hmm. women are. And men Mm -hmm. like functional gifts. So you could give a man like a power tool for Valentine's Day and he would love that. He would absolutely love it. Now, Forbes does say that you shouldn't give your wife a carpet shampooer, but they don't know Mary, Bob. So you don't need to pay this magazine any mind. They should be writing about corporate hedge fund buyers or something and not about Valentine's Well, Day. you know, I said I've got to get two gifts. The second one is not going to be anything that, you know, is that utilitarian. Because you mentioned that women like self-care. Well, in my wife's case, she's really into skincare. So the tricky part is... I know where to go and buy the expensive skincare cream or whatever it might be, but I don't know the exact product. So don't do that's it. Yeah, where, yeah, don't do it. That's where there. I mean, you open up our bathroom. We have a like a double door cabinet thing in the bathroom. There's like 75 bottles of God knows what. So I have to depend <laughs> on the woman who's selling this stuff. Yeah, you get her that carpet cleaner. She doesn't yeah. have one of those in the bathroom. Boom, no, done. No, yeah, we got no. morons in the news coming up. We have the top movie songs of all time and the foods to eat to feel happy. We'll see you then. It's Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry, go. All right, here's a little song for all the dudes from the very funny Tim Hawkins. This is the greatest marriage advice I can give any man from Tim Hawkins. Hey, honey, have you gained some weight in your rear end? The dress you wear reminds me of my old girlfriend. Where'd you get those shoes? I think they're pretty lame. Would you stop talking? Cause I'm trying to watch the game. If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. <laughs> I planned a hunting trip next week on your birthday. I didn't ask you, but I knew it'd be okay. Go make some dinner while I watch this fishing show. 
I taped it over our old wedding video. <laughs> if your man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. <laughs> Your cooking's just okay, but not like my mother makes. The diamond in your ring I bought you is a fake. Your eyes look puffy, dear. How are you feeling ill? Happy anniversary, I bought you a treadmill. If you're a man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. If your man who wants to live a long and happy life, these are the things you don't say to your wife. Thank you. That was very clever. He's so right. I love him. Very clever. Oh, God. Great. I tell you what, oh, sometimes God. it is absolutely a uh, minefield when you're talking to your wife about something. Like uh, Mary will order a couple of things and she's going to send them back and she'll say, um, I'm going to try these pants on and tell me tell me uh, which ones look better on me. And I, I know what's coming and I hate it. And she comes <laughs> up with the first pair and I said, oh, those are really great. Yeah, turn around. Oh, your butt looks great in, in those. Yeah, perfect, perfect fit. And she go, all right. And as you come out with a second pair on and uh, turn around and I said, that looks good, too. That looks good, too. You didn't say anything about my butt. Are you saying that my butt uh, is big? Is that what you're saying? And she and she knows that she's playing me. She knows she knows that she's playing me. It's just a minefield. You, you don't know where the compliment should go sometimes. And I'm pretty good. I mean, doing this job, uh, I've become, you know, pretty good uh, dealing with those situations with a woman. But um, sometimes you just screw up because you can't get inside your lady's head completely. I, I, I was with someone one time who was trying on clothes and wanted my opinion. And I said, well, that looks nice. Yeah, that looks nice. And, I, and then, then she came to something and I said, wow, that is really flattering. Here's what she heard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah, it so hides your going, mistakes. That's, it hides that's, your that's, that's not what it I was saying. That's not yeah, what I meant. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, flattering. Time. Flattering is an interesting word in in that context, isn't it? Because it's I not. Will never, yeah. I will never use yeah. that word ever again in my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's yeah, to you, Lamar. Yeah, because it does. There you it go. does. There you go. It does carry a certain vibe of. I mean, you're really working with what you have. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, may I just say, in my defense, that was not what I was saying I at all. Know. There was nothing. There really was nothing wrong. I just was like, wow, that's really flattering. That's really, wow. It no, doesn't no, matter what you mean. It matters how they take it. That's right. what It matters. accentuates yeah. what is there to the maximum is what I meant. Not hides yeah. what well, is not. She good. thinks that you just said you look like a monster. That's what she's taking away from right there. <laughs> we got morons in the news next. We'll post up the rabbit hole on our Facebook. This is Bob and Cherry. Morons in the News is sponsored by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Bob and Sherry. You see, that's all I could come up with because I'm an idiot. With more.
morons in the news. So a Columbus, Indiana man was just arrested after a sheriff's deputy observed him aiming a laser at his patrol vehicle. There were reports that came into the sheriff's office that somebody was out at the airport aiming a laser at aircraft at the Columbia, uh, Columbus rather, Municipal Airport. You know, there are a lot of stupid people among us. There are idiots, there are mean people. But these guys who get off shining a laser toward a landing plane with, with persons on it, they're in their own category of stupid knuckleheads and evil people when you come right down to it. And evidently this guy, whose name was Clem, his last name is Clem. That's one of the reasons I think I like this story. Uh, Christopher Clem, he's out there day after day trying to hit a pilot right in the eye with a laser. So out goes the sheriff, and the sheriff sees a laser coming out of Mr. Clem. And by the way, Mr. Clem is 49 years old, so this is not some teenager. He sees the laser, and what does Clem do? He turns the laser on the sheriff's car, which is the most stupid thing you could possibly do. You want to tick off a cop? You go ahead and do that. They arrested him for, you know, almost, it's not attempted murder, but the uh, FAA is furious with these people. So he's got that charge. Then, of course, they went through his car. They found meth and a handgun. So Mr. Clem, 49 years old, is going to jail probably for multiple years. Grow up, you idiot. <laughs> he's such a, I mean, <clears throat> classic moron. Classic. Right here. <laughs> In New Delhi, Indian police cleared a suspected Chinese spy pigeon after eight months' detention and released it into the wild Tuesday. The pigeon's ordeal began in May when it was captured near a port in Mumbai with two rings tied to its legs, carrying words that looked like Chinese. Police suspected it was involved in espionage and took it in, later sending it to a Mumbai hospital for animals. Eventually, it turned out the pigeon was an open-water racing bird from Taiwan that had escaped and made its way to India. With police permission, the bird was transferred to the Bombay Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, whose doctor set it free on Tuesday. Mumbai police could not be reached for comment. It's not the first time a bird has come under police suspicion in India. Back in 2020, police in Indian-controlled Kashmir released a pigeon belonging to a Pakistani fisherman after a probe found that the bird, which had flown across a heavily militarized border between the nuclear-armed nations, was not a spy. And again, a couple of years before that, another pigeon was taken into custody after it was found with a note that threatened Indian Prime Minister Naridari Modi. You know, this really makes birds pooping on my car seem very insignificant. You know? <laughs> That's true. That's yeah, very true. Yeah, very true. And finally, a masked bandit fiddled with the electrical equipment at a big downtown Toronto power substation and knocked the power off for a big portion of the city. About 7,000 people were left in the dark for three hours and a whole bunch of people were trapped in elevators in Toronto high-rise buildings. They just happened to be in the elevator at the exact moment the power went out. So oh, the city wow. had 
the fire department in Toronto said uh, way higher, like maybe the highest number of elevator rescues we've ever had. That's a phobia for some people, being trapped in a high-rise elevator. I know it the is, power yeah. went out. Yeah. Who is the masked bandit that knocked power out to Toronto and left all of those people panicking and screaming? It was a raccoon. A <laughs> raccoon. That's how vulnerable we are, people, that a raccoon was able to push Toronto into the dark for yeah. hours. And if you're that? someone who's terrified of being trapped in an elevator, how would you like to have to be pulled out through the ceiling of the elevator like it's some Bruce Willis movie hmm. and, and be carried on a fireman's back only to discover that a raccoon was the reason for it all? We'll post the story up on the Bob and Cherry Facebook. Coming up for you, we have the top movie songs of all time, comedian Mary Upchurch and what you need to eat to feel happy, it's Bob and Sherry. Bring whatever you drink and celebrate happy hour. Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, live, live on the Bob and Sherry Facebook page. I'm about to tell you about a living nightmare that people are actually paying money to experience. Now, everybody knows what an escape room is, right? I mean, it's this place right. you go, you pay money, and typically with a group of people, you solve a bunch of puzzles to escape from a madman's dungeon or a jail cell. Or um, there was one I did with the kids when Karen Mee was dancing. It was a zombie bio-warfare lab, right? I've never been able to solve a single escape room puzzle. If those things were real, my bones would be lying <laughs> back in, in some room that was supposed to be a castle. Anyway, in Barcelona, they have a brand new kind of escape room. And it's a coffin. It's an actual, literal coffin, and you get locked in that coffin for 30 out. minutes. I'm out. I'm out. And you have to solve puzzles to escape. Now, you can communicate via, like, a little, you know, microphone setup. If you really start panicking, they'll come and get you. And they watch you via closed-circuit video to make sure that you don't freak out once coffin's lid is closed and locked but wait there's more because human beings are out of their minds you can customize your buried alive experience you can choose a cremation experience where <laughs> they lock you in the That's, coffin that sounds, that sounds dangerous and they blast heat at you and smoke and the sound of flames that's no. one of your many, many options. And apparently, people are lined up to get reservations for the thrill of escaping from a closed, locked coffin. No, Idiots. thank you. No. Idiots. Thank you. How much, how much do you hate your life that you want to go and do this? That's I can't insane. Imagine. This is I something. Walked out. I would never agree to. I would never agree to this. The world's smallest and most terrible escape room. It's Bob and Sherry. It's the stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't do on the regular show. The Oddcast. Oddcast on the free Bob and Sherry app. What I have for you now is the top 10 most famous and best-selling movie songs of some major motion pictures. Number 10 is the Bee Gees with their Staying Alive in the movie Saturday Night Fever. Now, the Bee Gees 
created a disco classic about urban living that's difficult to listen to without seeing John Travolta in your mind all suited up in white doing this thing on the dance floor in the movie. But coincidentally, the rhythm of the song matches almost perfectly to the recommended number of chest compressions during CPR. And paramedics are encouraged to think of the song while they're trying to save somebody's life. And if you start pushing down and listening to it, you can, can feel like it would be doing CPR on somebody. <laughs> can I tell you a bit of trivia about this song? He didn't, he didn't dance to this song in the club. He said, this is not a good song to dance to. I will walk to this song. And that created the iconic opening scene of him ah, walking down the street. To the paint store. Yeah. Right. That was genius. That was. was genius. But that was John Travolta's idea. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, at number nine, Blondie's song, Call Me, that was an American gigolo. The director originally wanted to collaborate on the American gigolo theme song with Stevie Nicks, but she declined. So he then enlisted Debbie Harry to do it, and she wrote the song in just a few hours based on watching the film's opening scene of Richard Gere cruising around California in a convertible. I believe it. Oh, believe cool. It. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't picture any other song but this one here. Like the Stevie Nicks collaboration would have been interesting for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Deborah, Deborah Harry wrote the song. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, she's an underappreciated goddess. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She's great. Yep. Yep. Now, at number eight, Boys to Men, the song End of the Road in the movie Boomerang, Eddie Murphy's movie Boomerang. Uh, the Boys to Men hit spent 13 weeks at number one. Three weeks after it left the top spot. We'll see which one takes it because that's the following movie. Oh, this song, yeah. I think the song might have been better than the movie <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. Girl, I know you really love me. This song is just, oh, God. Yeah. You've never been there before. It's only your first time. Oh, yes, boys. (laughs) Hit those notes. What's next? Now, Now, like I said, that spent 13 weeks at number one, but it was replaced by number seven, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. In the bodyguard. Oh, yeah. All right. Turn off the lights. Now, Dolly Parton wrote this song, I Will Always Love You, in 1973 when she was getting ready to leave Porter Wagner because he had had built her career, but she was being suffocated by him. And she wrote this as an homage to Porter Wagner. But it found its way on the 1992 soundtrack for The Bodyguard after Kevin Costner played Linda Ronstadt's 1975 version for Whitney Houston. And Houston's smash hit cover reigned on the Hot 100 for 14 weeks, and it became her signature song. 
I think it was Clive Davis who said to her, you're a great singer. He was the head of Columbia Records. But you need to have a signature song. You don't have one. And that was it. Yeah, that was it. It, You know, I've heard other people sing that song. And a lot of, like in the early days of American Idol, they would come and you would have some unbelievable renditions of that song. But that is Whitney's song. No matter how beautifully you sing it, no matter how perfectly yeah. you land it, it's still Whitney's song. Yeah. You yeah. cannot prize that away from her. You just cannot do it. Now, number six, we have another BG song, Night Fever. In the same movie, Saturday Night Fever. The producer, Robert Stigwood, engaged the BGs to provide songs for the film, and the film was supposed to be called Saturday Night. So when he asked them to change this song's name to match the movie, the group declined. They said there were already too many songs with Saturday in the title. Eventually, Stigwood relented and made the brilliant decision to mix this song's title with his original film title and renamed the film Saturday Night Fever. Those are, those are great Yet- out of here. Yes. That is that is never knew that. Do we have some more of these? Can we break and do some more? Yeah, we break. We got a few more. Yeah, we we've got a few more. All right, sit tight. We got some more of the top movie songs ever. It's Bob and Sherry. Sign up for our newsletter. We never spam you. Never did. Get Bob and Sherry exclusives. Just go to bobandsherry.com. We're going over the list of the top 10 most famous songs in movies. And we've already done from 10 down to 6 and we're starting off or finishing up with number 5. Number 5 is Irene Cara's Flashdance. What a feeling. And it's in the movie Flashdance. The movie was written by Giorgio Moroder. Uh, The Flashdance title track plays as Jennifer Beals' character Alex auditions for this stodgy dance conservatory board, only to wow them when the song turns from a ballad into this up-tempo pop, and it would later win an Oscar and a Golden Globe. It's a very memorable I know, song. I didn't know. I didn't know that song uh, won an Oscar. That's wild. W- was yeah. that not the song that did she get like the water dropped on her? Uh, yeah. During flash dance, I think, I think that's Maniac. Yeah. I think Maniac oh, that that is maniac. the water. Yeah, that is You're Maniac. Right. That is You're Maniac. Right. You're right. That's true. Yeah, I dated her. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That brings us to number four with the band Survivor and the song Eye of the Tiger in Rocky Three. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone originally wanted to use Queen's Another One Bites the Dust for this movie and for the training montage, but Freddie Mercury and the company would not grant them a license. So Sly turned to Survivor's Jim Peter and Frankie Sullivan, who wrote the cut, Eye of the Tiger, and they did it in part by timing the guitar and drum hits to coincide with Rocky's punches. That's pretty cool. And it really, I, know I never knew yeah. that. Yes, and it really made you know, the scene. It really made here's, the scene. Here's the thing with Eye of the Tiger. It worked perfectly in the movie Rocky. 
When it first came out, I thought, oh, yeah, there's a song from Rocky. That's okay. I think it's almost become a punchline in the last few years. It's it's like it's so over the top, I think. And nope. it's been so overplayed. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Now that brings us to number three. And once again, the Bee Gees, they have got three songs in the top ten. This is How Deep Is Your Love from Saturday Night Fever. And this ballad became one of their biggest hits from that movie. And it really shows the brothers' uh, ability to pin non-disco smashes like this alongside the dance floor favorite. Listen, they've got so many songs. They're tremendous they songwriters. Something they tremendous, the tremendous. You know the door to I mean, they were doing like ballads prior to uh, doing all the disco stuff. The disco stuff yeah. kind of hurt them long term. But you can't deny that these songs from Saturday Night Fever are not great songs. They're just great, yeah. That's a, uh, yeah. I mean, if you don't like that song, how can you, yeah. how could you not like, well, pretty much the entire soundtrack to that movie is so iconic. What's next? Now, this is number two, and it's Brian Adams, Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Does anybody know Robin what movie Hood. this comes from? Yes. Robin, Robin Hood. Hood. Yeah. <laughs> Which was really a- terrible. <laughs> terrible. I, I, listen, Kevin Costner's a really good actor, and he's proven that, but not in this movie. He couldn't well, figure think out what about he, it. he wanted to do the accent or he didn't want to do the yeah. accent. This this was the classic English story about Robin Hood, and it had box office success and musical success, but you've got a basically an accentless American actor, okay, and a power ballad by a Canadian rock star. But the track <laughs> became Adam's biggest hit, and it spent uh, seven weeks at number one. That's big time. But when I listen to this, it doesn't bring Robin Hood to mind. I mean, you know. No. <laughs> it brings it brings kind of, I don't know, neediness to mind, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, finishing up at number one. Does anybody want to take a guess? Oh, that one. is it Danger Zone by I, Kenny Loggins from Top Gun? I was wondering why it wasn't on this list. That's not it. No. It's okay, not far right, wait, away wait, wait, from wait. number 10. Kenny Loggins right, was like 12 or 13, something like that. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, I know what it is. It's um, The Heart Goes On from Titanic. That is what I thought should have been on the list as well, Sherry. It's that's not? not okay, it. no, okay, don't tell us. Don't tell us. Don't tell us. All right, don't all right. tell us. All right, the name movie. of the movie. Louis, I, Louis, I, I, Louis, here's, Louis here's, from Animal House. Here's what I'll tell you. The song is the same name as the movie. I'm right about that, right, Lamar? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Um... Okay, that takes that takes the Star Wars theme out. That takes. Let me. Don't tell me. Don't tell the me. Give me one more hint. One more hint. Yeah. One what's more the? Hint, what's not the too good. Many hint. more hints. The song. The song is about an endless tennis match. Endless love. Ah! This beat the Titanic. I, I know. Lamar, where'd you this get this list from? 
What the heck? I didn't make it up. I didn't make it up. Because when I do these, I go, here's a list according to me. (laughs) Well, the Brooke Shields starred movie with Endless Love, this led to what Billboard previously revealed was the biggest duet hit of all time. The wow. biggest duet hit of all time, That's Diana crazy. Ross and Lionel Richie. It was also the biggest hit each of these singers' careers, spending 27 weeks oh, right. on the chart, nine of those at number one. So, well, there you go. Good job, Lamar. From Billboard magazine. That's, that's the circus. It's Bob and Sherry. Everyone Needs a Laugh is sponsored by Nissan. It's time for Everyone Needs a Laugh. Here is comedian Mary Upchurch. All my friends right now, they're talking, they're worried, they're talking about losing weight, and everyone's freaking out about gaining weight, and I'm like, what? I just hit my goal weight. Like, this is, thank you, this is it. I don't want to lose too much. This is my sweet spot. I like to stay at a sturdy 250. This that way, I will never be kidnapped. Um, it's true. Did you know if you get too skinny, if you get too little, somebody can literally pick you up and take you? You hear the story on the news all the time, like some lady was found in a suitcase. Like, how did she fit in a suitcase? Not me. I, I will not be taken. Particular set of skills, you guys. The only thing my dad's good at is lectures and putting tools on that board with like the little holes in it. No one's looking for me. I don't know, just because somebody's skinny, they don't have it really good either. Like nobody's really got it good. I I had a friend, she was really skinny. She was like, like, like really like. <laughs> She was like, you get, you get the idea. She was like really thin. And, and like when we would go out, people would kind of say things. They would like snicker. And sometimes people would yell things at her. And like one time there's these people that yelled, they were like, hey, eat a sandwich. Ooh, yeah, that's not nice. Don't yell that. She'd get upset. It would ruin our night. And I would get a little jealous because nobody yells at me eat a sandwich <laughs> could you imagine if they did though like if somebody yelled at me eat a sandwich I'd be like oh wow thank you so much I was so hungry you guys thank you is there a Jimmy John's around here I, I kind of felt like pizza but I can eat it's okay no they don't yell, eat a sandwich. Oh, so rude. And how dumb is that? You know, like, let's yell things at people that they were already going to do for their, themselves today, you know? What if you just ran around yelling like, hey, drink your water! Hey, you, take a nap! Go get a pedicure! Better than eat a sandwich? Jeez. Try it sometime. That might make the world a little bit better. Oh, man. People have different names for girls of my shape, my size. You know, they like to call us, like, 
curvy or thick or Reuben-esque, which sounds delicious. Um, <laughs> but I, I identify as, like, my, the way I describe myself, um, I just call myself hot. Thank you. something of our own, you know? We need like a handshake or like a union or just something, something of our own, you know? Because other groups have it, right? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? If you ride a motorcycle, they have something of their own. If they pass each other, right? I saw some beards. You guys know what I'm talking about. You pass people and you're like, hey, hey, bro. Maybe it's this hand. They're like, hey, hey. Maybe they don't throw their head back as far, but like, it's like, I see you, bro, right? Yeah. Jeep people do it too. There's like a Jeep wave. That's a thing. If you pass another Jeep, they're like, hey, hey, bro, I see you. And I just think us hot girls, we need something of our own, you know, so that when we're out in the wild, we can just be like, hey, something subtle, something small, maybe, maybe just like a, hey. <laughs> that dress just a little you know or maybe like eat a sandwich just to be like I see you try it sometime that is Mary Up Church and we'll get her set posted up at B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com while you're there click the contest tab and enter to win one of our me party packages that we are giving away every single day for the month of February because you don't need a valentine to give yourself a little bit of love. Now, it's not that kind of package, so get your hopes up. B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. This is Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry Books, Swag, and the Mother of All Mothers merch. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. Coca-Cola comes out with new flavors every once in a while, but they come and go. They don't expect them to last. I think Lime Coke, I tried that once, and it was okay. But um, they have a new flavor that they have just released, and they believe it's going to be permanent. They think they're going to really make a lot off of this new flavor. They said it's going to be on the shelves permanently. Give it a shot. Traditional Coke like Coca-Cola, Coke Zero, and Diet Coke. Well, their sales just grew by 1% last year. So that's not enough. You have to keep growing it and growing it. People who like Coke, you know, they buy Coke, but they want to bring in new people and make more money. So they have a brand new flavor that's going to be permanent. And this is what it is. It's Coca-Cola that tastes like Taylor Swift's sweat. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm, I'm just kidding. That itself. That probably would sell. Where can I get that? It's, uh, it's, it's spiced Coke. It's spiced Coke, and it is uh, bolder, has a, a punchier flavor. It's like Coke or Coke Zero, but um, it just has a little bit of a kick to it. And they say the combination is really appealing and that their competition is starting to grow, even though they're mom and pop operations with, you know, spicy sort of colas and spicy drinks. 
Coca wants to, you know, sit on that whole thing and own it right now. So that's it. Look for it any day now where you buy uh, soft drinks. I, I'd give it a shot. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a traditional Coke person. They, they usually I know it's, sell this stuff at impulse buy places because you might not buy a case of that, but you'll buy one. So if you go to a convenience store, that's where they market those initially. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. No kidding. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, look for it. Spiced Coca-Cola. It's Bob and Sherry. It's the stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't do on the regular show. The Oddcast. Oddcast on the free Bob and Sherry app. You can nominate a teacher to win a trip to Margaritaville Beach Resort in Fort Myers Beach from Visit Florida. B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. You can grab our app. It's free in Google Play and the Apple Store. And you can listen to the show and all of our podcasts. And you can text the studio and enter contests. And you can tap the little microphone in the bottom of the screen and talk. And the app will do the rest. Hi, Bob and Sherry, Max, Doc, and Lamar. So I was listening to the end of one of your shows. I believe it was called Wine is a Gift from God. And at the very end of the episode, Bob was talking about having his grandson, Christian, come over and that um, Christian's mom has like some specific sets of things that she, you know, wants her son to, the rules to follow, you know, not eating certain things and watching certain things. And I was just like, wow, Bob is an amazing dad and an amazing granddad. And I already knew this, but just hearing you talk about what she wants for her kids and you respecting those boundaries and those things that she wants for her kids is incredible because there are so many toxic grandparents and in-laws out there that if you just say, you know, hey, I don't really want my kid to have, you know, 500 pounds of jelly beans before dinner, they would ignore you and complain about it and say, ah, I'm going to do what I want to do anyways. And it's just, it's very disrespectful and it, it it's contradicting what the parents want. So Bob, I give you major kudos. Just hearing you talk about your family is amazing. You love them so much. It's so obvious. And I just love that you respect her wishes with what she wants for her grandkids. So just wanted to let you guys know that. I appreciate you guys. I hope you have a great day. Bye. I just said that, honestly, to Landon. We uh, we were reading Banana Splits while we watched Apocalypse <laughs> Now. Um, <laughs> Thank you no, for your I'm honesty. Only, I'm only, I'm yeah, only kidding. Get it Thank off your you. chest. Get it Thank off you. your chest. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's very sweet. That's very sweet. And, it, and I just, I think you should follow, you should follow the edicts of uh, the parents because you're going to hand the kid back and you don't want to hand back a mess or a kid now that's whining because he can't stay up until 11 o'clock. You have to, you have to be on board with uh, her wishes. I, it's so true, though. I saw, and I can't remember which platform it was on, but basically, this couple was pregnant. They were so excited, and they um, they were waiting to share the news because they'd been through some stuff. This was a mm-hmm. rainbow baby, rainbow pregnancy, and the mother-in-law took the ultrasound pictures, stole them basically, and posted them on her Facebook and hijacked oh. their announcement. Oh. That's the worst. And I, oh, I was like, "Dang, dang, that, that is, is some kind terrible. of mm-hmm. some kind of toxic." All right, I think we have another message. People, Bob and Sherry, I just want to let you know how much I appreciate your website that provides me with access to the oddcast and the podcast. 
Kevin, last week I fractured my ankle. I clearly have respect for what you are going through. The lady said she was almost amputated because she didn't follow the doctor's directions. Please do so. Sherry loves you. Lamar, I'm so glad you are on the show regularly. Your voice is like a cupid with a devil on one side and an angel on the other. Yet you refer <laughs> them so well. Love you all. Laura Ray. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Thank you. A devil on one side one and side. an angel on the other. <laughs> I I want to shout out. Laura had her thoughts in order. Laura came prepared. Laura yeah. demonstrated the kind yeah. of organization and preparation that I would have enjoyed seeing in a broadcast company middle manager. That was solid work. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. There were no extraneous words. I mean, she just nope. got right to business. Right. I wonder yeah. what she does for a living. It, that that has to have some sort of an impact. Could she be a teacher and she has to get the attention of all the students? Could she work for an auto parts dealership where she's got to know where every screw and bolt is and deliver it quickly? You know, she's in some sort of a job where she's under pressure and time is money. <laughs> or... Or maybe she just was a lifelong good student, took notes, paid attention, and had her thoughts together. Do you ever think about that? Like, there are people who go through their whole life just kind of like, oh, I'm here, let's see what happens. And then there are people that go through their whole life like they're planning a military operation. That might be Lara. That was solid I wish work. You I wish you hadn't yep. brought that up because... I'm here. Let's see here what happens. Is. <laughs> is this like my whole life? Hey, it hasn't. Uh, it hasn't hurt you. No, it hasn't hurt good. you. Yeah, yeah he's here, good. everybody. Oh. He's mostly dressed. It's Bob and Sherry. Come visit the Bob and Sherry store to find great deals down every aisle. We wish you were here to get the Book of Bob. Cooking with Cats, Bob and Cherry Grocery Totes, Phone Cases, Shirts, Night Shirts, Caricature Mugs, Scones from the Scone Goddess, Water Bottles, True Weird Stuff Merchandise, and more. We wish you were here for the time of a lifetime. The Bob and Cherry Store on the shop tab at bobandcherry.com. Leave us a talk back. Talk back with the free Bob and Cherry app. This is kind of a random thing, but it made me pause and think about myself and my very good friends here on the fabulous Bob and Sherry show. The uh, thing was, evidently, banging your head against the wall burns 150 calories an hour. If that's true, though, Sherry and I should weigh about 110 pounds each. Because <laughs> I'm surprised I'm still here. Uh, no, no, Mr. No, Mr. Broadcast Manager. Um, she is going to say as much as I'm going to say. Right. No, no, really. That, that, that's, that's how the show works. She talks as much as I do. You, you've never heard that before. Oh, well, yeah, we are kind of different. Right. Uh, no, we, we uh, are not going to do anything on politics. No, that's just not where we're going to. What are we going to do? Um, we're going to talk with our listeners, our friends, about stuff that's going on in our lives that make us laugh or interest us. Hello, come back. Come, where are you going? Where are you going? Head banging, head banging, head banging. 
uh, Tony once said that um, selling our show sometimes is like selling pork chops to a rabbi. <laughs> and that hurt my That's feelings. Encur- That's encouraging. Bit. You know what the <laughs> most frustrating thing is, is that um, all that head banging, and I'm still banging my head for the same conversations and the same reasons. Yeah. Like yeah. nothing really has changed. That's the frustrating part. Like, I would like to have new things to bang my head over. And we do. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of mm-hmm. uh, t- technical challenges. And that, right. like Max has been banging his head today and yesterday <laughs> over a computer failure. But really, the truth is, is that I'm still having those same conversations and still banging my head into the same dents. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a friend whose daughter uh, got her first big time job, not big time job, but real serious job. And it's in sales. And she has a guy, she is 23 or 24, something like that. And she's got a guy who is the manager of her little office area. And he is about four years older than she is three or four years older. So he's like 28 years old. He is so mean to her. He is condescending. He, uh, she is the top salesperson uh, in, in her area and he diminishes her skills and everything. And I said to my friend, I said, why doesn't she, she just, you know, go to HR. I mean, it sounds like she's almost got a lawsuit going on here and I don't know why she put up with it, but she did. And then quit because she just thought I do not have to work in a situation where I'm banging my head to try to get appreciated. I can go someplace else. I don't know how those guys still exist. How does a guy become a manager who is um, controlling for no apparent reason over a woman? Um, because he got promoted into that position by someone very similar. You know, you may guess. be right. Yeah, I mean, that's the, you may be right. That's the best mm-hmm. guess I have. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one thing I tried to drill into my girls, not just my daughters, but Britt and Rachel and your daughters and anybody else that would listen. Be like, look, mm-hmm. look, look, when someone disrespects you, when they show you that they disrespect you, uh, mm-hmm. don't go into fawning mode to try to win them over. You can't win them over. No. Wait for your moment and then move on. And then move on. Right. It is exhausting. To ha- and you think like, well, I'm just going to work twice as hard and be super nice and really accommodating. And girl, the only thing that's going to get you is twice as tired and twice as ticked off. Wait yeah, for your that's moment true. and Resentment starts to build. You're exactly right. I'm, I'm, I'm just so grateful for the, for the managers and the program directors that uh, carry our show. They're so supportive. But, you know, out there for every great one, um, there are like five that uh, just don't get it. It's like they're living in a different era sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of us live in a different era. And you look up one day and you go, oh, wait a minute. That's right. I mean, I saw somebody said something really funny on Twitter. They were like, I I almost passed out when I realized the 90s were 30 years ago. Because there are people that are are not living in this moment. Yeah, Um, that's exactly right. And time does change. It's Bob and Sherry. Can You Believe This is sponsored by Avatar, The Last Airbender on Netflix, February 22nd. You read it once. I don't believe that. And then you read it again. I can't believe this. It's Bob and Sherry's. I believe this. I cannot believe this.
So I was reading an article about happy foods, and the thing that makes these happy is that these foods have exactly the right combination of nutrients and neurotransmitters that light up your brain and make you happy. We're talking dopamine and norepinephrine, I can't even say it, epinephrine and serotonin. The problem is, is that when I tell you what these happy foods are, you're not going to feel happy about eating most of them. <laughs> you're just not. Really? Because pizza, yeah, pizza jumped out at me right away. I, as soon as I see a really nice pizza coming yeah. out, I smile. <laughs> yeah, except that's not at all what this is. These are foods oh. that have the right combination of nutrients and neurotransmitters. And pizza mm-hmm. is not on this list. And ice cream is not on this list. There's mm. like maybe two things on this list where you'll go, yeah, the thought of eating some of that fills me with joy. But the what difference idiot's is, making this list? <laughs> well, the difference is, is these foods don't make you happy to eat them. They make you happy because you eat them. Uh, so you uh, have to, yes, these are the foods okay. that make you happy. But the sight of these foods do not bring you joy. So well, maybe nuts. they do. Let's hear them. Let's hear them. Nuts. Like nuts. a lot of people like nuts, right? Yeah. A lot of people yeah, like, like nuts. Love them. Yeah, but but if I gave you the choice between a pepperoni pizza and a handful of nuts, I know which way you're going, okay? The next one, bananas. Most people like bananas. I like bananas. Mm -hmm. We all like bananas. You know, we're not curious, Mm -hmm. George, but we like bananas. But again, if I gave you the choice between a banana and a banana split, Mm -hmm. right? But it's the banana... Mm -hmm that is going to make you happy. And apparently if you have trouble sleeping, you can Mm -hmm. make tea out of bananas and that'll help you sleep. But I'm thinking what really works there is the amount of effort it must take to turn a banana into a cup of tea is so exhausting that that's what helps you sleep. All right. Number three, oatmeal. I just don't know anyone that is happy to see oatmeal coming. You eat it, you know, you should, you know, it's yeah. good for you. But have yeah, you ever, yeah. have you ever, 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 ever gone out to breakfast with someone and they said, oh man, did you see the oatmeal on the menu? That's for me. Like, yeah. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. Fish. Fish is number four. You like, you like it. You do. You like salmon or grouper or whatever, but you don't light up with joy at the sight of it, but it will make you happier. Lamb. Greek yogurt. Oh, Olivia, honey, are you having a rough day at school? Mommy's got a cup of plain, unflavored Greek yogurt here that's going to light your light your dopamine neurotransmitters up. No, of course not. What you want is something that's sweet, and that's not it. Now, this next one, raw spinach. Like Nobody, nobody goes, I'll tell you what would make me feel good right now after this breakup is a nice bag of raw spinach. I, I do like it better than mushy cooked spinach. Yeah, it's good like for you. I like sautéed spinach. I, I like I have, spinach. I like it. I've been adding spinach, raw spinach to the soup that I make. I make this chicken vegetable soup, and it didn't call for spinach. But I've been at uh, um, Asian restaurants, and they have it in, uh, you know, a ramen bowl. Look at you, Papa. Uh, good. That's good. I know. And I know. And, and yeah. mainly I put it in there because it shrivels up immediately, so it doesn't take over the whole bowl. And like the Popeye thing, I know it's good for you. 
I, I, I don't, I don't look at it and say, Oh, that's, I love spinach. I don't know anybody who says that, but it is good for you. But it has that effect on your brain. You are going to really? feel better after eating it. Yeah. Now, this next thing, it make now I don't know about everybody else. This next thing does make me happy. It's one of my favorite foods, fresh cherries. But Ooh, again, yeah. you know, yeah. they're, they're expensive. Pizza, they're really expensive. Yeah. expensive. Even, even this, Ooh. even this thing that I read was like, just have a few. Yeah, because you have a mortgage. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. but um, here's something to note. Um, red tart cherries have a lot of melatonin in them. So if you drink some pure tart red cherry juice before bed, it helps mm-hmm. you sleep. I didn't know that. Number oh, is nine that right? is espresso. Do not have right. the espresso before you sleep. Espresso no. may, especially like if you're like Max and coffee is one of your favorite things, espresso might make you happy to think about it. But, buddy, it makes you really happy in fact harvard found that a daily dose of espresso does wonders for your overall mood and and people who drink coffee coffee drinkers have 50 percent fewer death by suicide coffee Hmm. drinkers are less um depressed and in despair than people who don't drink coffee because coffee is big time for serotonin and dopamine and then the last thing on this list does make some people happy and that's dark chocolate like just a couple of squares of dark chocolate now you know a bag of hershey's kisses is very tempting (laughs) but the piece of dark chocolate is where you should go so see like the foods the, the foods that you're supposed to eat to be happy are not the foods that make you happy to think about but i just and it just hit me i just gave you gwyneth paltrow's diet (laughs) <laughs> look at her. Yeah, no, really. No, seriously. Look at her. She seems you know, very, very happy. I know we're running out of time here, but what is it about fish? You know, there are, there are restaurants that do such a great job with fish. They put garlic on the fish. They put all these spices. They cook it a certain way. They use butter. And you know, it tastes good, but it's not steak or pork. There's some, what is it about fish that doesn't, for most people, capture your uh, taste buds? The fishiness of it, I think, is what gets a lot of people. <laughs> they have to when work wor- on I, that. Yeah. I worked as a server at a seafood restaurant in Philly. It is a seafood restaurant. All the wall art is fish. And the number of times people would say, well, what do you recommend that isn't fishy? <laughs> well, Burger King, ma'am. I recommend Burger King. <laughs> It's Bob and Sherry. Instant access to the podcast, podcast, and fun side. Just download the free Bob and Sherry app. A painting made by the Beatles during their tour in Japan in 1966 has been sold at an auction at Christie's Auction House. Christie said the work later titled Images of a Woman auctioned in New York and it's the only known painting made and signed by all four members of the British rock group, the Beatles. While holed up in a, a hotel in between shows in Tokyo at the Hilton Hotel, they were, you know, sort of huddled up there because the huge crowds were everywhere and they were trying to get some alone time. The four of them spent time painting with watercolors and acrylics on a sheet of traditional Japanese washi paper. Each member painted from one corner to the middle where they all signed their autographs. Now, the band performed at the Nippon Budokan Hall in Tokyo from June the 30th 
to July the 2nd, and they played their final tour concert in late August of that year in San Francisco. The Beatles gave up touring two months after they were in Tokyo. They never went back out as a group, and that's one of the reasons this painting is so special, because they didn't have this kind of time together ever again, stuck in a hotel room with nothing else to do. The painting sold for $1.74 million. Wow. What did you say the painting was the painting an abstract that they did? Yeah, it is a little bit abstract. They, uh, mm-hmm. like I say, they just each one started at a corner and worked their way in, yeah. and there's a, there's a circle in the middle, and they each yeah. one of them signed it. If you're a big Beatles fan and you had a lot of money, that's a pretty cool thing, right yeah. there, because that's yeah. a one of a kind. That is a one of a kind. That's a, a pretty major collectible. I'm not surprised at all that it went for that. Do we have yeah. any idea, like private collector, museum, like anything? Private collector. Private collector. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, that would have been, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. That's right. What a neat thing. That'd be a great thing to have hanging up on the wall. I'll say, yeah. Yep. This is Bob and Sherry. Now, let's open up the Bob and Sherry Archive Vault. Linda right. joins us right now. You know, there are things in life you try one time. Yeah. It's different for everybody. That's right. You know, maybe for you, it's skydiving. For our new Sky Chad, it would be eating, like, Two foods together, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, he'll never do that He's again. He's never going to. You know yeah. what I got him to agree to this morning? What? That if his wife was captured by Jigsaw, uh-huh. he would eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to save her. Oh, that's love. Isn't that love? That is so nice. That's yeah. gorgeous. Um, Linda, you tried to spice up your romance. You'd only do that one time. What What happened? What went wrong? Well, I was a young bride, and I thought it would be nice to try and do something different. And so I took some cinnamon oil that you use for making candy, and I covered the tips of the ladies with it. I will never, ever do that again. That stuff burns. Why did you pick cinnamon oil? That's what I had available. Uh, (laughs) Um... And so you thought, you know, they, they say that cinnamon is an aphrodisiac. I'm still working with the tips of the ladies. I'm still working with that. Just, just give me a moment. Here. The smell of cinnamon <laughs> is one of the most powerful aphrodisiacs for a man. For men, yes. That was a good idea, actually. So you were giving him, like, a special once-in-a-lifetime uh-huh. version of Poppin' Fresh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no. <laughs> so it really, it stung? Oh, it burns. I actually have told my daughter about it just so they never try anything like that. Hey, hey, you know what, Linda? It could have been worse. Yeah, you could have gone. (laughs) Yes, it could have been much worse. What what are you supposed to do with that cinnamon oil? I mean, you're supposed to... Bake you make, with it. You bake with it? <laughs> it's not you a candy It's just for it. baking. Like, it's not a marital aid. Okay. Yeah, no. no you use I it thought it candy. was special for, you know, doing something. It's not... Cinnamon is really caustic. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and, and since it's oil, it also does not wash off easily. How long did the ladies smolder? Oh, I don't remember. It was probably not as long as it felt, <laughs> but it felt like hours. What was your husband's reaction? I bet. I know. Yeah. What was his reaction? Uh, he he never knew because I think it was before he was coming home from work, oh. and it kind of ruined everything. <laughs> oh, is that right? So the ladies were not no showing up. Mm. No, the ladies mm-hmm. were charred and mm-hmm. out of play. No. Yeah, I was just like. <laughs> 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 
And the husband said, hey, it's the best reaction I've had in years. It sounds wow. like a ZZ Top song, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. The tips of the... Linda, I have to that say, is Linda, so that, sweet. That was the first time that. anyone has oh. ever expressed it that way on our yeah, show. Yeah, it's beautiful. And yeah, that's the so first now, time anyone's done something. you know. Don't do it. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And, and you're still married to him. He's a lucky man. He's a very lucky man for you to try that. We'll never try it again. All right. Thank never. you. Thank you, Linda. Don't do that, ladies. Do not do that. Talk about the atomic fireball. Wow. Can Wouldn't you she imagine? have felt it on her fingers before she uh, applied um, it? You know, your fingers are... Yeah, that little more yeah. calloused. Yeah. Yeah. It's love month on Bob and Sherry. That's true. But even so, some of us are blue. Bob and Sherry have a way to take the blues away with a celebration just for you. It's a box with socks that are cozy. They're sure to warm up your teeny little toesies. A mask that will calm and moisturize your skin. And the Bob and Sherry swag you've been dying to win. We also include some scone goddess scones, which will take the sting out of being alone. We've included delicious Maine Needham's, those cute little candies. With your free Netflix gift card, you'll definitely want them handy. It's a me party from the Scone Goddess, Maine Needham's, and the Bob and Sherry Show. We're picking a winner every day, so come on, don't be slow. You can register now for the Bob and Sherry Me Party package on the contest page at bobandsherry.com. Sign up for our newsletter. We never spam you. Never did. Get Bob and Sherry exclusives. Just go to bobandsherry.com. Mary and I watched a couple of streaming movies uh, over the last few days, and I want to tell you about them. One of them is Austin Butler, who is awesome as a major in World War II in a series. I think there were four episodes, Masters of the Air. And obviously it's about these guys who take planes up and bomb Germany and bomb France during World War II and how absolutely treacherous their jobs were. They don't pull any punches at all with the danger in this thing. You see engines that are burst into flames and the guys are trying to figure out, can I land this thing? And have you, have you ever been absolutely more amazed when you think of combat, especially in World War II, than when you see one of those guys crawl into that glass encasement that is oh, underneath a plane that oh. has a machine gun? They, yeah. I mean, it, it's the scariest thing. Those guys who do that, uh, I just had such um, compassion for and just absolute um, envy that they could conjure up that kind of bravery. It's very good. Austin Butler is terrific in it. Uh, he, he's so handsome. He's a great actor. I still think I heard a little bit of Elvis in his voice, but maybe that was just me. The other one that I saw is Capote and the Swans. If you don't know who Truman Capote is, very basically, here's his background. He was a writer in New York City, and he wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's, which was on Broadway, and then a movie, and I think it's been redone uh, a couple of other times. And he also wrote In Cold Blood which is an amazing murder story, a true life murder story of a family that was wiped out by this maniac in um, Nebraska. I think it was back in the 1960s. It was and the two book guys became, in Kansas. Two, two guys. Oh, Kansas. Okay. And it became a bestseller. It was like the biggest book of the year and all. And he became celebrated. Well, 
He's a gay man who really loved being around rich New York City socialites. And he found four of the biggest. And one of them was Babe Pauly, whose husband, William Pauly, was the man who ran CBS when CBS was the biggest entertainment colossus probably anywhere in the world. And these four women would get together and they'd have lunch and they'd just kind of uh, talk about other people a lot. And Capote uh, weaved his way into their lives and into the lives of their husbands and all of their friends. Well, he, he, they loved him because he was funny, he was catty, he was interesting, he was smart, he was famous. But then he broke a rule, and he wrote about one of the swans. And by the way, these swans, they make the real housewives of Beverly Hills look like the pioneer women. They, <laughs> um, they are so over the top with what they spend, their homes, their lives, the husbands cheating on them. Oh, I caught him cheating on me. I got two Picassos. And that actually happened. So Capote is their friend and he loves drinking with them and going to their private residences in Jamaica and around the world. But he broke the rule and he told the truth. He wrote an article for Esquire magazine about one of them and they flipped out. He wrote about a husband who was cheating on his wife, and that is Babe Pauly, who is going through chemo at the time, by the way. All the wives are beautiful. All of them are super, super polished. And they get together and they say, it's war against this guy. And the movie just follows how he tries to crawl his back into their good graces, and they will have nothing of it. Just the scenes where he's having dinner with like 15, 20 of these wealthy people at a uh, banquet table. That'll, watching what he does, and the actor, by the way, who portrays him is fantastic. Um, it's enough to keep you captivated. Mary knew nothing about Capote. Um, and, and I tried not to mansplain it all. But she couldn't stop watching it once, uh, once the series began. It's really well done. Which platform showed, is this one on? I've seen it in my newsfeed, but I FX, haven't. FX. FX. Okay. So like I, I have Hulu and somehow FX is on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, you can see this. It's, it's really a, an amazing part of uh, American history in New York City. And by the way, let me just finish this out. I also, I haven't seen this movie in 20 years. I watched The French Connection with Gene Wild, with, with Gene um, Hackman, Hackman. Uh, Hackman, Hackman, with Gene Hackman, yeah. and I couldn't, I couldn't move. It was, it's as great a movie as I remember it to be. But never has New York City. This is in the seventies when it, when it was uh, portrayed. Never has it looked dirtier, scarier, or messier. Why anyone would want to move there during the nineteen seventies? You walk away saying, "I just can't believe it." But Hackman playing Popeye Boyle was was great. So that's my viewer, my viewing over the last uh, few days. I liked them all. It's Bob and Sherry. It's Bob and Sherry, the podcast. Since we're talking about TV, Bob just watched Masters of the Air with Austin Butler and the Swans 
um, on FX. There's a new book out called On Locations, Lessons Learned from My Life on Set with the Sopranos and the Film Industry. And it's uh, by Mark Kamine, who's the executive producer of HBO's The White Lotus. And man, is he spilling the tea. He said that um, he talks about his time on, on the TV show Sopranos. And he said that James Gandolfini, who had just had so many demons and HBO executives were worried that he might die from one of his many alcohol and drug binges before the series even had a chance to end, that he was often late, um, didn't know his lines, hung over, um, angry, chaotic, and it infuriated the rest of the cast, especially Edie Falco, who played his wife, Carmela, because the producer said that she was always prepared, always amazingly and instantly in character. She was an admirable onset presence throughout the entire run of the show. And that drove James Gandolfini crazy. He wrote, the guy wrote, he's in awe of it and he's frustrated by how, um, how she has ready access to convincing emotion. And he would get to the set not quite in character. He would stop in the middle of a scene, curse himself for being unprepared, demand that they start over, um, have the script supervisor feed him lines. And um, it just drove everybody insane. But because- I had no idea. I had no right. idea that was the case because everything you see is perfection on film. Yeah. Well, it was because it was all perfection on film that they they gave him slack and had some patience with him. And he also writes that at the end of every shooting week, Gandolfini would order sushi for the entire cast and crew. And then at the end of season, give the entire cast and crew um, a big fancy gift. And so he was like, you know, a lovable hot mess. That's what I took away from reading it, that he was just a big, sloppy, hot mess. And it was almost like everyone knew. Everyone knew how his story would end, and yet nobody could do anything to prevent it. I mean, HBO, every season was like with David Chase, the show's writer and creator. They were like, all right, uh, you know, what are we going to do? This guy could kick at any moment. They all knew. Now, he died of a heart attack in Rome, I'll remind you, um, back in 2013, after the show wrapped. But they all knew that it was, like, inevitable. It was like a slow-motion car crash, and nobody could stop it. You know, David Chase once said that he was the reason, he was the main reason, Gandolfini, that, uh, that that show became what it was. All of the actors were superb. But um, Tony Soprano is in probably 80% of the shots. And I've watched it 10 times, each of the episodes. His interpretation of that psycho is so beautiful. His his emotions going from one end of the scale, loving a horse, he loved animals, to a guy that is just bashing somebody's head in in the street. I mean, his range was incredible. It's funny that you bring up the horse because there's a section in the book where they talk about when they were shooting that episode about Pai Oh My, the racehorse that he fell in love with. They were at the racetrack in Monmouth, which is many, 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 many miles away from Atlantic City. 
And it's like, um, it's not quite a hundred miles. It's like maybe 80 miles or so from Atlantic city. And mm-hmm. they're in the middle of shooting. And James Gandolfini's like, who's, who's coming to Atlantic city with me? Come on, we're going to AC. Well, some of the cast and crew went and some didn't. And of course the next morning, no James Gandolfini in yeah. sight because yeah. it was a hard blowing party the night before in Atlantic city. And there was another story in the book, the, the famous uh, Soprano house that you see in the opening credits. Right. Um, that actually belonged to a family in North Caldwell, New Jersey. And um, so it's late. It's toward the end of Sopranos. And the owner of the house is on set. And he's, he's chatting with James Gandolfini. And Gandolfini interrupted him and said, I'm really sorry, but my memory's kind of shot. Who, who are you? And apparently the owner of the house was really got his feelings hurt. Because, like, this had been going on for years. And now Gandolfini doesn't know who he is, doesn't remember him. Mm. So apparently, you guys, things were a lot worse than than casual viewers knew. And the author of this book, who, again, is now the executive producer of White Lotus, said it all began for him. Because Gandolfini never intent, like he never wanted to be famous. He just wanted to be a working actor, and he became a giant star overnight with this TV show. And he yeah. was so uncomfortable mm. with fame. He just that he he began drinking to insulate himself from the yeah. weirdness that was his life. Isn't that amazing? Complex, very complex guy. Evidently, I had no idea. So let me tell you the name of the book again, if you want to pick it up. Um, It's called On Locations, and it's uh, my life, lessons learned from my life on set with The Sopranos and in the film industry by Mark Kamline. It's Bob and Sherry. It's the stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't do on the regular show. The Oddcast. Oddcast. On the free Bob and Sherry app. You know, three years after New York approved recreational cannabis for use for anybody 21 or older, The rollout of the Empire State's legal cannabis program has created a big bottleneck of product because they have limited options to get it to market. New York State has only opened 50 legal stores, yet state legal cannabis farmers have grown enough product this past summer to supply 1,500 stores. That's a lot of weed gone unused. What are they doing? One of the one of the one of the people that handles supplies and stuff said, "I have clients that have spent over a million dollars on their cannabis cultivation, but have only sold a fraction of it across the state. At least two hundred and fifty thousand pounds of pot, worth about twenty-seven million, plus an additional ten million dollars of tax revenue, remains unsold. In one case, he added." He said a big field in the upstate New York produced 1,000 pounds of cannabis valued at 300000 or $300 a pound, but sold none of it. The cultivators are struggling. But many of them, if they don't break even this year, they're going out of business. And the New York Office of Cannabis Management has seized $3.39 million worth of cannabis from illegal shops in January after conducting 60 inspections and 20 reinspections. The OCM continues to work to deter the uh, the illicit activity and get the growth market for the legal market. But what's happening is 
The lack of the sales is due to a lot of different factors. There's a small number of permits, uh, economic headwinds, and challenges in buying and renting real estate. Meanwhile, the illicit market continues to thrive. Think about it. Real OG smokers might miss that thrill of skirting the law. They don't want their dealer looking like a target. They want to be in the alley doing trading some money here. That's what they, you know. But you know, Lamar, this this answers um, a question that has haunted us for decades, and that is, how much pot is too much pot? And now I think we know, right? We have an actual number. You, you know what they need to do? They need to go where the customer base is going to be. And that would be Taco Bell around 11 o'clock at night. You know, just set up in the parking lot there. Trucks. Yeah, they need weed it. trucks. Yeah. yeah the, right, travel, exactly. the travel to yeah, the well. Like, yep. like food trucks. Yeah. It's Bob and Sherry. Thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast, the Oddcast, and Talking Lamar. We would love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review, and maybe share it with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again so much for listening. Tis the month of St. Patty's Day, and here's a random related fact. Did you know that the odds of finding a lucky four-leaf clover are 1 in 10,000? I'd say that's pretty difficult. Fortunately, if you're a business owner or hiring manager, you don't need luck to find top talent for your team. You need ZipRecruiter, and right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Bob. You don't need a leprechaun when ZipRecruiter's brilliant technology is going to walk you right to that pot of gold of top talent. As soon as you post your job, ZipRecruiter powerful technology starts showing you the best qualified candidates for it. Aren't you just a wee bit curious to see how ZipRecruiter can help you? Well, today's your lucky day because you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Once again, just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bob. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.